Wait, are are y'all six feet away from each other? Yeah, seriously yes. though. Sure. Yeah. Get away from me. <laughs> also, like six we feet can't. Away we, from David, does that count? Yeah, you are not. We, six we feet can't away. see Tessa, so it's like, hey, David, hey, Carrie, and then Tessa's just ta- <laughs> just talking from the other side. Yeah. Hey, we won't actually let her in our house because of the virus, so she's recording from outside. <laughs> yeah, we have we have her out the window she's, right yeah, now. She's out the, window. the truth is, I was here before they were, and I just came in. Yeah, <laughs> and got set up. Yeah, we walked in, and Tessa had the lights on, the fan on, you know, setting up the table and everything. She was like, "Welcome to your house." <laughs> I had their coffee ready at their spots. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> their notebooks. Yeah. Hello, friends. My name is Jacob Collins, and you're listening to the Mystic Conceptions Podcast. I mean, should I really be surprised that he's bad? I mean, obviously he had ties to the Mafia because the Mafia was over him when he took the shot, but I don't like hearing it out loud. Is my dad, was he, is the fifth chair his? I think it is. So now what? Let's go to Esther for your new nemesis. Uh, we had talked about off mic um, making this nemesis a like a, a fire marshal who is investigating the fire at Morty's bar oh, and is I on do your trail. Remember this conversation now? Do you? Yeah, you okay. said we had talked about it, and I was like, "Crap, I know we did, but I didn't remember any details." Well, but now I remember. Okay, well, tell me a little bit. Who who is this nemesis? Uh, her name is Chelsea. Uh, tell me a little bit about Chelsea. Uh, what's her, what's her demeanor? How does she dress? What's her appearance? She doesn't take shit from anybody. She is Latino. What else do you want to know? Uh, so she doesn't (laughs) take shit from anybody. She's a Latina. Uh, how she dress? Similar to like your New York detective cop whatever she wears like she's in dark colored jeans a dark top and she has like a badge that she wears like around her neck uh why is she so invested in looking into uh morty's bar uh because this is a nemesis this isn't going to be somebody that goes down easy it's not going to be you know someone that you just wave your hand and dismiss she is going to have a dogged determination to figure out what happened at Morty's bar. Why is she so determined? Okay, I'll throw this out. She has a sibling that was involved in the Rat Pack. A younger sibling. Okay, how would that... Because the Rat Pack isn't affiliated with Morty's. Right, but we had those... They, people know about the kids that we had in the apartment. Okay, so yes, when they searched y'all's apartment they did find those three kids luke john and i think x-man was there so she so they though not one of those it's not that one of those was her siblings but her her little brother ran around with them and her little brother has since been missing so people know that you were somehow connected to the rat pack Mm -hmm. and once that fire burned down she is investigating. She's using that investigation to get closer to you to get closer to the Rat Pack. Okay, so uh, she had a sibling, or has a sibling, in the Rat Pack. Previously on Misconceptions, the crew had a meeting of the minds. Uh, the crew came together with Mohammed and Javi and Woodard in a Woodard and Faye's, uh, not apartment, a cottage 
in the forest of the city park, and they discussed their different leads and the different information that each one had. It was a very emotional time for a lot of people and a lot of emotional reveals. Esther was told, or rather, that's passive voice. Uh, Javi told Esther about his past in the mafia, and not just his past in the mafia, his past with Morty and with Lena in the mafia, um, and talking about how much of his police career was spent obfuscating evidence for the mafia and keeping uh, the heat off of the mafia as they did their various illegal things. Um, he also talked about how recently this new organization has been horning in on the mafia's business and uh, dealings. And this, uh, this organization was called the Cabal, and they started doing their business about uh, a couple of years ago. Um, Bill revealed the nature of, the, of his job at the Golden Flamingo Casino. He revealed that the two poker chips around his neck were indeed his wife and son that were being used as leverage to uh, keep him in indentured servitude to Jeremiah. Um, and he also admitted to using that same tactic against people uh, for the Golden Flamingo Casino. And he was dealing with his own emotional revelations as he had killed Jesse, his one-time work partner and a longtime enemy. Uh, he actually had to leave the discussion, and Rin came out to meet him, somebody with their own guilt over what they have done, and Rin and Bill bonded. Uh, Rin promised to help Bill find his wife and son, saying that there has to be another way. There has to be another door y'all can go through. And in fact, Rin said that he could use the super futuristic computer robot to help Bill find his wife and son, which uh, gave Bill quite a bit of hope. Uh, Faye was very frustrated with the team after having been badly injured in a fight with Cooper Wheatley, and nobody really seemed to care about it. Um, she tried to lead the discussion, and she was very frustrated with her, fr with her crew, and there were some fractures there. Um, but at the end, Muhammad got you together, led you in a little cheer, and, uh, well, we'll see what happens in this episode. So, where do we pick up this episode? I don't think that you're in the cottage anymore. Y'all have moved. Y'all have, like, decided on a plan. So, where does this episode open up? Muhammad and Woodard were going to look into some leads of their own. Javi was going to look into some leads. Uh, I guess what I should ask is, what do you want Javi to look into, and what do you want Woodard and Mohammed to look into? And they can go off and do their things, uh, but as you part ways, what, what missions did you give those two parts of your team? I'll say for Woodard and Mohammed, Faye asked them to find out more about Cooper Wheatley, if that works for everybody else. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Javi can't really operate... Can Javi operate, because um, like Woodard and uh, Muhammad, they're not wanted. Is Javi wanted? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Very he, much so. Yeah. So he'd His... have to do something more discreet, right? Yes, he would have to do something very discreet. Or he could get a disguise. He frosted his tips. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, no, it's the 90s. A 50-year-old Hispanic man with frosted tips. <laughs> hey, I've seen it before. Wait, Javi's that old? Yeah. Yeah, Javi is the age of Esther's dad. I was, I was imagining like a 30-year-old Javi this entire time. We just needed him to do something that keeps him out of the bottle. Yes, please. So what is Javi, what is Javi looking into? I don't know, because... I mean, he's crooked, so, like, what can we really... I mean, not that I don't trust him, but... <laughs> I mean, I trust him, but, like, I don't know. People know him. Is there stuff that he could, like, look up on the computer or something? Y'all had... The computers are still pretty new to him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all had talked about uh, finding a... Or Bill had asked if Javi could find, like, an abandoned warehouse or creepy oh, yeah. abandoned police district that y'all could hole up in. 
so that is the suggestion that was thrown out. Do you want Javi to look into that? Sure. We need a home base. So, where are we all going? Because I know we all had different ideas of what we wanted to do. Is this Tessa speaking, or is this Faye speaking? This is Tessa speaking, I assume that, because you already asked where we pick up, right? Yeah, so where we open this episode at. I am desperate to go talk to Lynn, but nobody really paid attention when I said that last time, so I don't know if that's something that y'all want to do. We can go talk to Lynn. I mean, do we know that Lynn is still in the same spot, and is it safe for us to reveal that we're a thing? Well, yeah, in theory, Agatha's house is, like, the safe house, right? But can we trust her? Maybe Woodard and Muhammad could go find out on our behalf and not reveal where we are? And send them, send Lynn to us instead? Yeah. They're already investigating Cooper Wheatley at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know what, David? Me and Jaime could I go. I mean, we could just go for just it. Kidding. We could just go for it. God. At some point, we're going to have to venture out. Um, okay, so do we want to say that we do any sort of disguises or anything? Yes. Uh, my hair is still dyed blonde. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yep. I am still right. in a disguise. I need glasses, a long sleeve shirt, and a lot of concealer. So Agatha's house in various disguises. Okay. And y'all talked about going in the cover of night. You'll do that? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Night cover! So the episode opens with Esther's black SUV pulling up into an alleyway, and the car doors open, and you four step out in various disguises uh, as the camera pans up to reveal the four of you. Uh, describe, how are you disguised? Esther is blonde. Okay. And she has a lot more makeup than she would normally wear. Uh, she does not have a leather jacket, much to her chagrin. What about the rest of you? Faye um, still has her blonde hair as well. <laughs> So she, but she has it pulled up and she has a hat on. Um, and then she's in like workout, like joggers and tennis shoes and a black long sleeve shirt. So she just looks like a stage person. Okay. Like a stage hand? Is that what you're saying? Thank you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Big okay. stage like, person. <laughs> a stage person. <laughs> All right, what about uh, you two? Uh, Ren is in just like a full black outfit. Like, it's just like black sweats, black hoodie with the hood over to hide his brain, and then like black shoes. Like, he's just, if, I mean, in the dead of night, you would not be able to see him. Okay. Are you still wearing uh, Pip Hamill's black wingtip shoes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, tracksuit, hoodie up. Black wing tip shoes, nice. uh, one with a one with a dagger sized hole through it. Yep. <laughs> uh, Bill, what about you? All right, I have long sleeve shirt on, some pants, some boots, and uh, aviators, a curly wig, and a top hat. You are not Slash. So I look like Slash from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> okay, so uh, you four. Uh, walk out into this street. Uh, this is not the uh, the typical paved street that you would see in the city. This is in the older village, uh, the original part of the city. Uh, buildings here are old. You still have lamps that they're gas lamps, but they have been updated. So there's a bulb in them, but they have that unique kind of cross shape at the top with the metal and glass canister at the top where um, candles would go. But it has since been replaced by uh, lights. Um, the houses here are all lined up, all of varying different colors and stonework. Um, the mist here is much more thin than in other parts of the city. Um, you can see things for as they really are. So as you're walking down this street or rather across the street, 
uh, the house down the way looks like a honest-to-God turret tower from medieval times. Um, one house looks like a uh, like a thatched roof with chicken legs tucked up underneath it, but then when a gust blows by and blows the breeze in front of you, the chicken legs become hedges. The... Um, the turret tower down the way just becomes a strange-looking house with strange architecture. Um, but you make your way across the street to the stone steps leading up to a multi-floored kind of apartment building, and there is a sign out front that says Agatha's Halfway House. Uh, and you see the familiar wooden door in front of you with the familiar brass knocker in the center of the uh, door. But you four approach the stone steps. What do you do? Faye, you use the knocker. Can we stop calling it a knocker? That's what it is. You perverted gutter minds. (laughs) It's a knocker. Yeah, you bang the knocker. You're so offended, David. You perverted perverted gutter minds. (laughs) Okay, so yes, I knock on the door. The door opens up to reveal a short withered elderly woman with white strands of hair pulled up into a bun. She has a shawl with little frayed edges thrown over her shoulders. Uh, She opens the door, or rather we guess she opens the door, but her hand isn't touching the door as she's standing there on the welcome mat looking at you. Oh, well, it's been a while since I've seen you. Mm, Come inside. I have some tea ready. I go in. I go in as well, but she had it ready. Old people drink tea, dearie. (laughs) Esther's eye twitches. (laughs) Ren walks in as well. Bill stays on the step. Bill Bill walks in as well. Uh, She leads you to the seating area with the little coffee table, the couches around. Uh, She walks in one door to your left. Uh, she comes out a door on your right, holding almost almost simultaneously. She walks into this room and she walks out the other side, holding a tray uh, with tea and teacups and everything. She lays it down. So what brings you here tonight with your various? She waggles these withered fingers at you. Get ups. Yeah, can we talk about the fact that they didn't work at all? <laughs> Damn it. I never expected they'd work on Agatha. And Faye, like, smiles at her. She smiles, too, and she's missing some teeth. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, dude. (laughs) Agatha, we're looking for Lynn. Mm -hmm. Why are you looking for one of my uh, residents tonight? I remember you were looking for him last time as well. He's become a friend to us, and we have some questions. We uh, want to help him. Very well. You know where the door is. What do you think? Um, I mean, I'm ready to, like... Faye is on a mission. Faye's halfway up the stairs. <laughs> right, so she's moving. Let's go. Esther's yep. following. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you go up, you go past all these... These doors with different tenants, and you, I believe, uh, I believe from the outside, it looked like a second-story building, but there were many more stories here, uh, and so you go up the number of floors that Lynn was on. I do not remember exactly, because it's been literal years <laughs> since you've been to this building in real time. Um, you go up the stairs, you find the familiar to you. Uh, door to Lynn's room. You knock. You hear the door open and you see um, a person whose features have faded away and kind of recessed into nothingness. Um, they, their skin is bleach white. Uh, their eyes are just vacuous black orbs. Uh, where I should be, his or their mouth is barely visible because there's no pigmentation in his lips to set apart the seam of his mouth from the rest of his face. His ears are kind of 
almost like boxer's ear or cauliflower ear, but they're kind of like crumpled in on themselves. Some of his or Lynn's fingers are fused together. Um, but you see Lynn opens the door and looks at you. Can, can, can I help you? Lynn, I, I know you probably don't remember us, but we are friends from a long time ago. We took a picture together. Oh, let, let me, let me check. And Lynn walks over to the wall where there are just all these pictures. And, um, he looks over them and grabs one and takes it down. And you see the picture that, uh, he took with all of you or the picture he took of you. Uh, and it's, uh, it hasn't been a full year since this picture was taken, but as Lynn looks at this picture, you look at it as well, and you can see, even though not a complete year has passed, years have been added to you all. You look much younger uh, in this picture without the weight of the world on your shoulders, definitely without the burden of being wanted on your shoulders. And it's just this moment where you look back at where things were simpler, but even when you were living in that moment, they seemed so complicated, but now they've just grown even more complicated. And you see in Sharpie down on the side, it says Rin and friends. Mm. And Lynn looks at it. Oh, oh yeah, I, I remember we, we, you were friends. Uh, come, come in. And he meanders over and lets you into his room it's pretty sparse there's a closet a bed a little desk a window that leads out to a fire escape um but he leads you in lynn do you remember anything about well how are you lynn i think i'm pretty good that's good that's good and fate looks at ren and kind of like looks at him, looks at Lynn, looks back at Ren. Because Faye has now remembered after seeing that picture that Ren had made a connection with Lynn. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hey, uh, Lynn, right? That's your name? Yeah, and you're Ren, right? Yeah, like we have matching names. It's like super cool and stuff. It's like how we connected last time. If I remember. And he kind of looks there. Ren kind of looks there like confused and kind of dazed because he's like, I don't really remember this person, but there's a picture of us. Yes. So these two. Yes. Ren has also lost his memory. (laughs) Lin loses his memory as often as he changes his appearance. And so this connection that these two people have is kind of lost in the the missing memory (laughs) section. So, Lynn, I guess, uh, well, Faye wanted us to come here and check in on you or see how you're doing, and you seem like, uh, seem like you got a lot going on. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy living here, and it's easy living here. Okay, well, uh, any weird, strange things happen, bad guys come looking for you on a, like, kill you, steal you, you know, stuff like that. Lynn plays with a multicolored, like, braided bracelet on his wrist uh, and says, Uh, no. We're safe here. We? Uh, yeah, all of us. Everyone, uh, we look uh, different. I guess that gives us a place to stay. Who gave you that bracelet? Oh, this, uh, Agatha. Well, uh, Lynn, that's a nice bracelet that you got there. It looks real swell on you. Thank thank you. Did she give those to everyone? Yes. Do you ever take the bracelet off? Oh, no, no. What would happen if you did? He fiddles with the bracelet again. I just don't take it off. 
have we seen a bracelet like this before? Uh, not that I can remember. Bill and Rin, what are you doing during this moment? I don't get the bracelet thing. I'm just like, it's, it's over my head in game. Mm-hmm. Rin just thinks it's a stylish piece. So, Bill, are you doing anything to, to occupy your time? Um, While I'm in the room, I'm just kind of looking around. Like I'm starting to look at his other pictures, seeing if I like recognize anybody, or if he's taking pictures with any of the uh, known mafia affiliates or, or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, you see tons of pictures. Uh, some were look like... They were taken without permission, and some are like posed. Uh, some are like friendly pictures. Some are like pictures that you would take from behind a bush as somebody is sneaking by. Um, but yeah, you're you're looking over uh, these different photographs, and you see one that you recognize. Is it Linda? It is not Linda. Oh. It is Nick holding the desecrated corpse of... Marcus Malcolm and it says uh, like in Sharpie it says Nick and his friend Marcus what in the world um hey Lynn Uh, yeah do you remember um do you remember these people here oh yeah Uh, they uh, came here about uh, three months ago do you remember anything else? He plays with the bracelet. Uh, no. Hey, Lynn. Yeah. Can I try on your bracelet? No. And he, like, kind of, he shirks away while holding his wrist. I want to roll a convince. Mmm. Go ahead. Okay. Um, looks harmless and kind to others. I got an 11. I had to do math. Wow. So, you talk, threaten, or seduce someone into doing something. Uh, On a hit, choose a relevant status equals tower. Your target can choose either to take the status or to change their agenda to include yours, at least for the time being. So, uh, let's roleplay the conversation, but also, what status... Will you inflict uh, equal to what? What did you? How many power did you use? Two. Two. Uh, so, what status at a tier two level would Rin take if he refuses to take? Would Lin take if he refuses to let you try his bracelet? I would take down all of his pictures. Okay, so you're so this is going to be you are going to threaten him. I'm going to take down all these pictures. Unless you let me try your bracelet on. Has Faye turned into a mean person? You... Yeah, I was going to say... I mean, you can all react to this as you wish. But, uh, so maybe the status is erased memories, too? Mm. Okay, so let's roleplay this conversation. Oh my god. Lynn, I promise I will give it back to you. I just really want to try it on. It looks so cool. I uh, don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah, I I get that. It can be scary. Um, But it's something special to you. I want to try it on, too. I can't let you do that. You can't? No. Lynn, uh, this is really important to me. I'm sorry. I, I would hate to have to take all your pictures with me. If you didn't let me try on your bracelet. He looks at the wall full of photographs. You would take my pictures? I told you the bracelet was very important to me. I'll give it back. I can't. Len, please. Pay. No, 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 no. And I think you need need to leave. Len, why can't you... Why, why can't you say you can't? Why? I can't. Is there a reason? We're your friend. Yeah, we care about you. 
And Rin says that, but like he doesn't believe anything that he just said. Uh, Lin looks at Faye and says, I want you to leave. If I leave, will you talk to them? I can't. Why can't you, Lin? He fiddles with the bracelet. Let's all just take a deep breath for a second. Lin, what do you remember about us? I I don't remember anything. I every time I use the, my powers, a little bit of me fades away. That's why I have the pictures so I can remember what I've done. Do you wear the bracelet because it helps remember where you're supposed to be? No. Do you know what the bracelet is for? Yes. Can you tell us what the- No. Are you in danger? He fidgets with the bracelet. No. Do other people have the same bracelet here? Yes. Does everybody have the same bracelet here? Yes. Did Agatha give it to you? Yes. Faye goes over to the wall and starts taking down pictures. Oh! Oh my god. Okay. Uh, Lynn looks on in horror as his black eyes get a little bigger. No, please, don't! Faye. We need answers, Esther. I don't think we're gonna get him that way. And Faye takes down, like, another row of pictures and looks back at Lynn. Please, that's the only way I have to remember my life. People's lives are on the line. I need to know what the bracelet is used for. I can't. Why can't you? I can't. You can't or you won't? I can't. Does the bracelet prevent you from telling me? He fidgets with the bracelet. No. She takes out another row of pictures. <laughs> Please, stop! I need you to roll a face danger against a guilty two status. This is very painful for Esther. What are we all doing? Are we just like standing around like... <gasps> yeah. I don't know what to do! You're all watching Faye destroy this person's memory. I will remind all of you that you all have help and hurt points. If one of your uh, teammates is doing uh, destructive things, you can always use hurt points to uh, to stop them. I have nothing to go against this. Okay, so roll in a face danger with a plus zero. I got an eight. An eight. You take a guilty one status. Uh, his words hit you. He says, no, my memories, you're destroying my life. And... For a moment, Faye's soft heart uh, aches at Lynn's words, but with determination, in you that, take down another row of pictures. In that moment, as she begins to take down that next row of pictures, Esther's finally going to yell out, Faye, this isn't how it's going to happen. Do you have any other ideas? Let's just keep the conversation going. He's not talking. And you taking the pictures down isn't accomplishing. He, he's... It. Are you wanting to use hurt points against Faye to give her a status of, like, stop or yes. something like that? Okay. Uh, how many hurt points do you want to use? I only have one. Okay. So you use that one. Uh, so the, I'll, the way I'll work this is uh, help and hurt points are used as juice, and uh, you use them as change the game. So you would use this to uh, give a status to Faye. Uh, what do you want this status to be? Uh, you could you could add to her guilty status. You could give her a new status of stop or cease. I guess stop. I'm wanting her to like remember that like we used to. This isn't how we operate. Like this isn't. So maybe a status of use compassion. Yeah. Or be compassionate. I guess, yeah. Okay. So, Faye, roll another face danger against a uh, use compassion one status. Eight. An eight. Uh, her words do not affect you. 
I'm sorry, but I'm tired of playing these games. I'm tired of not knowing where the children are. I'm tired of not knowing anything and not being able to communicate with any of you because none of you will ever listen to me. I'm tired of being shot at. I want this over. And she takes another row of pictures. Please stop. Then tell me, Lynn. I can't. Esther's going to reach for his wrist and try to take off the bracelet. Ooh, let's roll a go toe to toe. You're struggling for control. Uh, Rin, Bill, what are y'all doing? Um, you know what? I'm actually going to help Faye. I, I am frozen, uh, in kind of like what the heck is going on. And I guess right now thinking what would be the best course of action. So I am doing nothing to intervene at the moment. Okay. I'm going to use daddy's fighter and dedication. Okay. So roll go toe to toe with two. A 10. So with a go toe-to-toe on a 10 plus, choose two. You achieve your goal, take what they hold, get them good and give them a status, or block, dodge, or counter their best attempts. If you don't choose this, they can impose a status on you. So I'm I'm gonna achieve my goal and block, dodge, or counter their best attempts. Okay, so you grab Lynn's wrist, you grab that threaded bracelet, he screams, no, please don't, and you take it off. And as soon as you take it off, Lynn stops mid-scream and like a rag doll falls a limp in your arms and collapses to the ground. Shit. Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of episode 68 of Misconceptions. I'm your host, David White. And for those of you that have a Discord, I want to make a very quick announcement that Misconceptions Podcast Network now has a Discord. Yay! I am very Discord illiterate, but last night I went in and I set up a little Discord thing with different channels for discussing, you know, spoilers about the episode, for giving us feedback on episodes, just for hanging out, for looking for groups to game with within our community. I set it all up, so uh, hopefully it goes well. But if you are a Discord user, if you want to get in with the community of friends that we have at the Misconceptions Podcast Network, both to talk to each other and to talk to me and our other uh, cast members, both with Misconceptions Podcast and with Sins of the Father, you can go to Discord and join that right now. And I have provided a link to our Discord in the show notes. And if you have been paying attention to our social media, you have probably seen that we hit $400 a month. Woo! I would scream a little bit louder than that, but I am recording in a room that is right next to my currently napping son. Uh, So that's about as loud as I'm going to get for right now. But please, you be as boisterous as you want. Um, But yes, so now I can afford to pay my friends for the shows that we make. Uh, I am so, so very excited that we hit this goal. I'm so very thankful that we hit this goal, uh, and this is a step in the right direction for our podcast network. I'm excited for what this means, uh, looking forward to the future. I'm excited to record the Sins of the Father and Misconceptions crossover episode. I am going to be meeting with Jackson, the DM of the Sins of the Father uh, story, to come up with a little crossover event, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I hope that you are excited. Uh, details on that crossover event will be forthcoming so if you want more information about that release go over to our socials check that out and you'll get some more information that way and i want to say a special thank you to those patrons that came in at the last of last month to help us get to four hundred dollars a month i want to say thank you to john chandler john thank you so much don't let jackson give you a hard time Uh, Becca Bubble, I know that is not your real name, but Becca Bubble, I love that alliteration, Becca Bubble. 
I sound like a squirtle using bubble beam. Becca, bubble, Becca, bubble. Uh, Becca, thank you so much for uh, giving to us on Patreon. Uh, Matthew Patterson, but hold on a second. I've already thanked Matthew Patterson. Well, the reason I'm thanking him again is that he upped his pledge. Thank you very much, Matthew Patterson. And also thank you to Barry, my longtime childhood friend, and to my Mimi, Cindy Gernand. Thank you all for helping us get to $400 a month on our Patreon. We thank you so, so much, and I cannot say it enough. Thank you so much. And at the end of the show notes section, I would like to transition from silliness to seriousness for just a moment. And I would like to talk about uh, what I am sure all of you have seen going on in our country right now of the protests against uh, violence and murder and racism and police brutality and against a government that has mistreated a specific portion of our population strictly because of how they look. Um, I am, of course, talking about the outcry against the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery. If you have been following us on Facebook and Twitter, you more than likely saw my post about what we here at Misconceptions Podcast Network think about this situation, Uh, but I will go ahead and repeat it here. Uh, in my own voice so you can hear it. We here at the Misconceptions Podcast Network believe that black lives matter. And last week I brought this proposition before the cast of Misconceptions and Sins of the Father, uh, and I know that we had just reached $400 a month on our Patreon and that we were very, very excited to get the paychecks for recording episodes during the month of June, but I suggested that we instead send that money to an organization or people that needed uh, it during this time that were fighting against this inequality and racism. And they were all in agreement, and they all wanted to do that, Uh, which just goes to show you that uh, I have surrounded myself with a really great group of friends. We ended up giving our paychecks to a group called Indivisible Houston, which is based in Houston, Texas, and is all about you know fighting this systemic racism and oppression by uh, backing people and giving a voice to those that will fight against it at the local election level in protests, and we wanted to support their work, and so we gave our paychecks to them. Uh, Now, I do not say this to toot my own horn or to toot the horn of our network, um, but I do say it here to hopefully encourage you to take some action on your part towards fighting against this inequality, to giving voice to those that so often have voice and power robbed from them, whether it be through monetary means, by signal-boosting others, by sitting down with people who have this backwards way of thinking that one color is better than another and telling them they're wrong <laughs> and you know having this discussion with them and hopefully changing their minds and if not then cutting those people out of your lives and as a white male i realize that i have used words and thought thoughts that were not conducive to racial reconciliation and tore down black people that I knew and that were in my life, uh, especially when I was younger. Um, I'm not here to make excuses. I am here to say that I am learning and I am trying to do better. And if you would allow me, I would like to end our show notes with a minute of silence. And to preface this minute of silence, uh, I wanted to say that as a white man, I have the privilege to log out of my Twitter, to turn off the news, to avert my gaze from the injustices that are happening around me to black people. Um, But rather than doing that, I stare at this racism, at this oppression. I allow myself to witness it because I realize that my black friends cannot avert their gaze from it. They cannot turn away from it because it is oppressed upon them 
every moment of their lives. And so I say that to say, during this minute of silence, I ask that you not skip forward. And I know we're listening to a podcast and this is an audio medium, and it would just be so easy for you to click that forward button a couple of times to skip through this minute of silence. But I ask that you don't. I ask that you sit in this silence, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, to show your solidarity with black Americans that are mistreated. What you choose to do during this minute of silence is yours. Uh, You could meditate, you could pray, you could say the names of those afflicted, um, but I just ask that you sit in this minute of silence and use it as a moment to sit in solidarity with those that are wrongfully treated because of the color of their skin. And uh, I hope that you agree that black lives matter. And if you do not, and if you cannot see the reasoning behind black lives matter, and you are angry at us, for doing what we have done and saying what we have said, then find a new podcast, because this podcast is not for racists. Now, if you'll please join me, let's have a minute of silence. Thank you, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. What did you do to him? I'm just like holding it up in the air. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how long is he going to, what if he doesn't come back when I put it back on? We'll put it, put it on my wrist. And Ren, Faye holds Ren, on her Ren wrist. goes over to Lynn and is trying to like resuscitate him or something. Uh, Rin, you go over to Lynn. You're looking for resuscitation. Uh, you're looking for a pulse. You look through your uh, scanner vision. There is no pulse. There is no heartbeat. Um, he's dead. Put the bracelet on me, Esther. Guys, he's dead. Put the bracelet back on. This is too high stress. Ugh. Okay, I put the bracelet back on Ren. Um, Bill, I'm like... Lynn! <laughs> okay. <laughs> you grab Lynn's wrist. You tie the little ropes around. You tighten it against his wrist. He is still limp. Oh, crap. The door is open. Agatha is standing right there. You are no longer... Welcome here. All of you roll a face danger against a shunted four status. Oh, God. As the house magically expels you. Help me understand what I'm rolling against exactly so I know, like, what to... There is a cosmic mystical force that is grabbing you and shoving you through time and space to be out on the street. It is not so much that like a wind picks you up and carries you down the hallway as much as like you are here and then you are there. So I'm trying to figure out what tags to use. So like my giant owl wings probably wouldn't. No. 
what kind of tags would work for something like this? Yeah, like, what are we... Like, if you had, like, immunity to magic, or, uh, like, some sort of mythos that lets you walk through portals or, you know, uh, tether yourself somewhere, but, like, actually grabbing hold of something... Uh, it's it's not like a portal has opened up and is sucking you in with the force of you know suction. It is that like a cosmic wind. It's it's not even a wind. It's just uh, it's like you. It's like a blink, and then you're not there anymore, and then you're somewhere else. Okay. So there's really no way to stay. No. I wrote a four though, David. They got a three. Esther got a five. I got a six. Okay. Oh, God. So as soon as she says, you are no longer welcome here, you feel this mystical force hit you bodily. And then as soon as it hits you, you are now standing outside of Agatha's halfway house. What do you do? Are we still in our disguises? You are still in your disguises. Does you are in the same poses that you were in in the room, but now you are out on the street. Is Faye still holding all the pictures she was taking down? Yes. Oh my god. Does Esther have the bracelet? No. She tied it back on Lynn's wrist. Esther, what have you done? We need to get in the car now. Uh, I don't know if our disguises are going to hold up. We need to process. Esther is already in the car with the engine started. Okay. Does everybody else get in the car? Yeah. Yeah, Ren gets in the car. Faye doesn't move. Faye, get in the car. Uh, Bill starts to, like, gently pull Faye towards the car. Like, hey, come on. Let's go. Let's go. You allow yourself to be pulled? Yeah. Is everybody in the car? Esther starts driving. Okay. Where are you driving to? She doesn't know. She's just driving. What's happening in the car? Uh, I would say an awkward silence for now. Oh, I was going to say Ren's being manic about this whole Lin thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, Esther, what? How is... Lin was just limp there, and I couldn't... He didn't have a pulse. What happened? Ren, shut up. It wasn't Esther's fault. He's dead. Yes, because of me. I'm sure Agatha can take care of him. If she put those bracelets on everyone and they die when they take it off, I'm sure she knows how to reverse that. We just didn't. It's it's, uh, it's okay. I'm try- So, like, Bill is trying to be this calming presence that is usually, like, uh, Faye, but he is not mm. great at it. <laughs> but he's trying. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, Bill, I've never seen anyone die like that before. It's really jarring. Red, yeah. shut up. Esther, stop the car. Esther keeps driving. Esther, stop the car. Esther keeps driving. Where are you driving to, Esther? She doesn't have a destination. She's just driving. Why, why do we want her to stop? What's the, where, where do we want to go? Nowhere. This, I'm done. What do you mean? I mean, we're never going to solve this. We're never going to figure it out. Everybody's on their own missions, doing their own crap. I just killed an innocent person, and even if he's not dead, I took all of his memories. I'm done. The kids are never going to be found. There's nothing. It's We will not win against this. Linda wins, okay? So what do you suggest? We turn ourselves into the police and allow corruption to run amok? You can do whatever you want. Oh, that doesn't sound like the Faye Lockley I know. Yeah, well, guess you should have listened to her a while ago. So what are y'all doing? Esther's going to keep driving until the team figures out what they're doing. Not that she's helping. She's just not going to stop the car. Why don't we just go to my warehouse and just figure this out and not drive like a maniac? Oh, I'm driving safely. Also, what warehouse? Oh, I mean, like, I have this, like, warehouse. Like, Bill knows about it. It's, like, where my, like, the future super intelligent computers at. I mean, it's just, like, super casual guys. 
anyone else want to share any more secrets that they're keeping in this team not team that we have here? So are we going to this warehouse? So we transition to uh, a warehouse um, down in the the industrial district. Uh, we see these giant metal sheet doors pulled open by Rin and Bill as Esther uh, drives the car in. You close uh, the doors behind you. Are the doors uh, locked now? Yeah, like you see this like blue, almost like vision light thing that goes over the door. Okay. Okay. Just as Faye gets out of the car and like turns to mm, run, yeah, she sees the blue energy and like whips her head back around and glares at Esther. This warehouse is pretty empty. There are like some boxes and stuff in the corner, but Bill, looking around, there is no supercomputer here. This is a abandoned ass warehouse. Where's the where's the computer? We can't have the supercomputer out and obvious. Okay, I guess that's fair. Well, are you gonna show it to us? Uh, Rin, how do you uh, how do you get downstairs? There's at the end or at like the other side of the building. There's like this soda old soda machine or something, uh, like 1950s, like clunky, looks gross, doesn't look like it works. Um, the machine has uh, or the supercomputer has like given him a code to hide the supercomputer and so he like enters like a process there's like five buttons on it or whatever and he just like enters uh a little code and it the downstairs thing just kind of like opens up like it had before you saw no seams before but it just like recesses and becomes these metallic steps with these hexagonal patterns on the wall with like this blue lighting going in between the patterns uh very similar to the lighting in Ren's head uh but you see this ramp of stairs leading down underneath the warehouse you just want to follow me real quick yeah okay Ren and bill go down esther and faye do not okay so uh esther and faye what's happening where y'all are I'm imagining that Faye is not trying not to pay attention to Esther, is fully like looking around the warehouse, trying to find an out. And Esther's fully aware of this. Right, because Esther knows her. Uh, when Faye looks up, what does the top of the warehouse look like? Um, metal sheeting, and there are some, like, uh, they're not glass but they are like opaque plastic uh, like you would see in like an empty Walmart when you look up and you see like there's the light shining in. So it allows some natural lighting, but it is dark outside. So you see like this plastic skylight in the metal sheeting. Are there any like boxes or anything anywhere? Uh, yeah, like not stacks and crates and giant conglomerations of boxes, but there are some wooden boxes around these boxes are like not even five feet tall and they're not stacked on top of each other oh okay okay okay. they're not like it's not like a warehouse with like full boxes no this is yes this is okay, a okay. very abandoned bare way warehouse but esther you see Faye looking for a way to escape what the hell is going on what do you mean what the hell is going on we just killed len esther Okay, I think that that's a bit of a stretch. What do you mean it's a bit of a stretch? I think that obviously the mist is involved and either he was already dead or he's like a freaking gingerbread man. Well, also, maybe. Also, is it not a gift? His life is freaking miserable. He hated it. But he didn't want us to kill him. I mean, you're not wrong, but. But what? You get to go be presumed dead for three months, and I can't be upset and go off on my own? I'm not saying that you can't be upset, but you can't leave right now. Why? Because I'm not going to let you leave right now. That's not a good enough reason. Well, sorry. It's the reason I got. I'm not going to be helpful. 
Okay. Faye sits on the ground, crisscross with her arms crossed over her chest. Esther takes out her black notebook that she's had um, and starts making notes about the ragdoll and the bracelet. Okay. And then I guess we transition down to where Ren and Bill are underneath the warehouse. Uh, Bill, you walk down this pretty narrow hallway with all this futuristic look to it and you get to um, this grand open space. Um, you cannot see where the room ends or really where it begins. It just opens up and you're here. There is a cone of light shining down from some unseen source above to illuminate presumably the middle of this room. But again, you can't judge where the middle is because you can't see where the ends are. Um, but Rin, you have been you have been here and been, you know, living here for the past three months. Uh, what does Bill see? Are there any signs that you've been living here? Are there any uh, like unfinished tech projects that you have going on? Uh, describe the, the scene for us. Yeah, so like he does have this like small, tiny, like stand up cot. Like it's very like inconspicuous. It has like one tiny little pillow. It's like off to the side and like a blanket. And so like that's just like his sleeping quarters. And you see he has like a little stand up sink or something like that. But it's like very like small, uh, just really kind of ridiculous looking really. Um, But you do see there are like some uh, work tables around. He's got like several work tables and like these like 3D making machines and things like that that you that are like constantly making things. Like, you can't really tell what, what's being made, but it's just, like, this blue light that's, like, shining on these objects, and, like, things are being morphed. Um, and it's kind of like he's got, like, you know, a little science kit here, and he's, like, mixing chemicals, and you're like, what even is that? And mm-hmm. um, But you do see some um, drones and stuff. You see these, like, mini drones that are, like, stacked up on top of each other. Uh, that he's been making and he's got like one with all the parts like hung out or strung out that he's like messing with the wires and the chip inside um and you've you it's just kind of like a little workshop and you see like there's like some cape over there and it's kind of like filtering in and out suddenly it's there suddenly it's not um and so there's there's different things and there's like a watch that's like sitting there that he's like working on um and he's got like the instructions and he has like a sign that he made for himself where he's like, do not touch this button. Bad things will happen. <laughs> okay. So Bill, you walk into this space and you see like all these trinkets and gadgets and chemicals and weird things. Bill is already not a very techie person. I mean, he has owned a flip phone for this entire uh, series. Uh, so seeing all this, you know, especially future tech, this all looks very alien to you, but even with as little understanding of tech as you have, none of this looks like a supercomputer. So, I don't want to say I'm ignoring all this stuff, but like I see all of it and I say, um, where's the, where's that computer, the future computer thing? Oh, you have to step into the light. It's kind of, well, she's a little dramatic, I guess. All right, I run into the light. Uh, I look up at the light, and then I say, will I ever see my family again? Your words echo off of the presumably walls in the distance, but there is no answer. Uh, hello? Do, can, do you need to ask? What is this? How, does, how do you make it work? Hey, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Ren goes to the center, and he, like, holds his hand to his head. Um, and it's, like, connecting, logging in, or something. So, uh, as you enter into this cone of light, Ren, uh, Bill, almost automatically, hanging in the air in the darkness around you, you see all these blue holographic screens appear, with data and video feeds, and, uh articles about different people and just overwhelming displays flash all around you 
Uh, and then you hear this robotic voice calling down from nowhere. Hello, user and Pascal. Are you ready to continue your mission of saving the future? You know that I'm always ready to save the future, but I do, before I can save the future, uh, I do have a little uh, task that that I need to get help with. Of course. What assistance is required? And he beckons. Does, does like a hand gesture to Bill. He's like, well, I brought someone that has a... Their query is more particular. Okay. Rin motions to you, Bill. Uh, hello? Hello. State your username. Bill? Username. Bill registered. What is your query? Username Bill. Oh, I really gotta know. Um... If I'll ever see my wife and son again, I, I need you to tell me. I need you to do whatever it is that you do and let me know because I I don't know if I can continue without that answer. Please. I need to know. A screen flashes in front of you. Calculating. And you see these ellipses. Boom. 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 And then uh, the camera cuts to Bill's face, uh, looking expectantly at the answer. And that is where we end this episode. You son of a gun. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Misconceptions. We'll be back with our next episode on June 22nd. Don't forget to like us or follow us on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information about the show, preview clips, photos of behind-the-scenes, or just to talk with us, because we'd like to hear from you. And don't forget, we also have a Discord. You can click that link down below to go to our Discord. We also have an email, misconceptionspod at gmail.com, if you would like to contact us that way. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of friends, please click the link below and give whatever amount you can. City of Mist is an RPG created by Son of Oak. You can find more of their products at sonofoak.com. The Misconceptions theme song was composed by Aaron Wharton. You can find more of his work at aaronwharton.net. And that is it for this week's episode of Misconceptions. Stay well, wash your hands, love people that look different from you, play something nerdy, but also remember, keep it nerdy, y'all.